never stop learning, always continue to test, like test, 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 because that's really how you elevate yourself as an artist. That's how you meet new people and how you kind of find confidence. On this episode of Blazing, I'm talking to Kaylee Keane, who is a London-based makeup artist. Over the last 10 years, Kaylee has gone from working at the Mac counter in Harrods to starting her own business working as a professional makeup artist in the fashion, music, bridal and TV industries. So I'm a makeup artist based here in London. I have been doing this for about 10 years, five years for myself and five years in retail, which is kind of where all makeup artists begin. We always do a bit of a stint on a counter somewhere, you know. And yes, alongside that, I also own an Etsy company called By Kaylee Designs, which is where I kind of create tools and branding for newer makeup artists. So they kind of go hand in hand, really. I mentor newer makeup artists, kind of set them up because makeup school doesn't really teach you the business side of things. It teaches you how to be great at makeup, but it doesn't right. necessarily teach you the tools for actually becoming successful working makeup artist. Absolutely. And, and you'd find this in a lot of creative industries when mm. it comes to how the education of the artists actually occurs. So that's, that's quite a poignant point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's everywhere. Photography, they teach you how to take a great photograph, but you're left kind of on your own at the end. Like, how do I actually find work? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, it is really interesting that you say that because we find that quite a bit as well. So you've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Could you tell us a bit about what kind of projects you usually work on and, you know, the themes that they involve? Yeah, of course. So I started out, every makeup artist kind of starts out doing bridal. <laughs> That's right. kind of what we naturally fall into. And I absolutely love bridal. It's a great day to be a part of because it's a very happy, love-filled day. Right. But it's not sometimes terribly creative. It is kind of the Pinterest looks that you just get everywhere. Um, so right. I slowly started to edge more into the creative editorial, fashion editorial, that kind of thing. Um, so I do a bit of everything really now. I do TV commercials. I actually did a TV national tv advert last week which was really exciting oh, amazing um, yeah it was really fun music videos are really fun i used to do a bit of red carpet but that is kind of not happening anymore with covid very right. sad because red carpet was my favorite thing to be a part of uh, photo shoots just everything really the things that i don't tend to do are film and tv that's not right. really an area that i do too much of i dabbled in it but i think in any creative industry you find your niche and you just right. kind of you you sit in that niche you know right so when you approach a new commission whether it's a TV advert or a music video or something like that what is your process and what are the stages involved in approaching a new commission yeah so it also starts with an email <laughs> everything right. starts with an email and uh, it will be a production company or um, an agent and they will email me through my website presuming they've liked my work liked what they've seen and they'll tell me a little bit about the project so um, I just kind of approach different things 
differently, really. I'm sure it's the same in any creative industry. If it's a, a music video or a musician or an actor, you kind of approach them really differently, the client, to how you would approach, say, a bride. So you go into brides with a lot more excitement than you do with, say, an actor. With an actor, you kind of have to gauge it on their mood. Makeup is more psychological than I think people think it is. Yeah. You're like a mini therapist when they sit in your chest. You really have to gauge each project by the person that's in your chair. Um, if yeah. they're quiet and they're reading a script, you just kind of want to let them get on with it. If they are a bride, you kind of want to put some music on for them to enjoy themselves. It's a really fun, exciting day. So you yeah. kind of adapt for the client that's in your chair. For an ad or any particular commission, what sort of pre-work is involved when you're working with a particular party? So much pre-work. <laughs> Um, you have to prep your kit. That is the most important thing. And right now in COVID, there is an awful lot of kit prep involved. Um, you've got to sanitize everything, wash brushes. I've got like 50 brushes next to me right now that I need to wash right. from my last client this morning. So you just have to make sure everything is super sanitized. And you definitely take different makeup products depending on the client. If it's... Um, for example, male grooming, I can often take that in just a backpack. Male grooming right. has very, very simple skincare-based products that don't take up a lot of room. But if you're doing, say, a red carpet or um, an editorial, you kind of have to take everything because you don't know what they're going to throw at you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. change at any time. I'm sure that you've definitely been a part of that. You're given a brief and it's like, oh, it's going to be supernatural skincare-based makeup. And then you turn up on the day yeah. and they want like grungy black smoky eye. <laughs> all right, all right, absolutely. Um, yeah, but with bridal, that, that kind of thing, you've done a trial beforehand. So you can often take everything in one small bag and it's just super easy. Doing makeup, it definitely breaks your back. Any makeup artist listening will know this is such a back-breaking career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So... Once your pre-work is done and you actually come on to like the actual day, the day of the shoot, it's kind of interesting in previous episodes, we've had stylists, we've had photographers. Mm. So we're almost like building a 360 image of what happens on the day. So yeah, it'd be yeah. really interesting to understand from a makeup artist's point of view, how does the actual day play out for you when you're working with a photographer, a stylist, or even a designer if they're there on the day? Basically the various characters that would form part of a shoot, how does that interaction work and where does the makeup artist fit? In, in all of this? Yeah, it's really interesting because depending on what area of makeup you're in, it works so differently. But you all essentially have to work as a team and you all have to get on. If somebody doesn't, you can definitely feel it. You can feel the vibe. So it's just best to try and get on with absolutely everyone. If there's anyone newer in the industry listening, the best advice I can give is to just be very easy to work with. If you're easy to work with, then you're going to go quite far because people like easy people to get on with. It's so important. When a makeup artist turns up, we're, we're often the very first people to turn up. Um, and we yeah. set out our kit. We make sure it's super hygienic. In COVID, there's a lot of COVID guidelines now when it comes to makeup. So you're often in your own little room with the stylist, for example. And makeup and stylists often tend to be quite a close-knit team, especially for right. red carpet or... Um, a shoot because the the two styles have to complement each other yeah. one red carpet i did for example 
I really wanted her to wear a red lip, but she was wearing a blue dress and the two do not go well together. So you really do have to work together to create the overall look. Because if you're both kind of out for yourselves, out to outdo each other, you're not going to create the most beautiful thing you can, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's best to just really be easy to get on with and just go in with the final piece in mind, the final, you know, goal. So makeup and styling, we tend to be very close. Um, the photographer, they're kind of the the spearhead of the shoot, if that makes sense. They kind right. of guide it along. As I said, it's just really important to get on with everyone. A photographer, I always try and make a point of introducing myself if I can to everyone. Um, right. just to Just to be, you know not make a vibe or anything like that be friendly as possible and obviously if you're working on a commercial shoot for a brand or a product then you always have the client there on set with you and the client is pretty much the one calling the shots it's their vision um so they're the the main ones that you really want to listen to and and almost guide in a way right in, in the creative industry you're the professional you know like if I'm hired I'm hired for that 10 years of experience that I have and sometimes the client can be kind of the hardest one to work with because they uh they've hired everyone but it is their baby you know right <laughs> it's their yeah, absolutely. and sometimes the hardest thing is trying to get them to understand from your 10 years of experience in styling, photography, makeup, to try and get them to understand why something sometimes might not work. Right. You know, if they want, say, um, trying to think of an example, I haven't got too many in makeup. Makeup is very easy to change. It's more right. things like styling and hair that, that can come yeah. to sometimes be quite hard to change. But yeah, it's always good to get the client on board. Right. It'd be interesting to dig a bit more into some of these other relationships that you mentioned. So, so for mm. example, you mentioned that the relationship between a stylist and uh, a makeup artist is quite close. Mm. So how does that communication work on the actual day? Say, for example, uh, let's make this situation where in this particular instance, it's a stylist that you're not familiar with so mm -hmm. the client has brought in the stylist rather than you being familiar with the stylist's work and it's been a stylist that you've been working with over a long period of time because in those kind of situations it's almost like they become an extension of you because mm -hmm. you're so used to working with them mm -hmm. but if it's someone brand new i almost feel that sometimes a creative finding their feet on the day can be quite challenging yeah, yeah. Especially if it's, you know, with, with people you're not familiar with. So how do you handle those kind of situations when it would be a stylist that you're not familiar with? Um, I think one thing that we all have in common is the industry we work in. And I, I never I always try and go in and think they're doing the same as me. It's just a different a different tool. They're you know, they could be uh, worried or you know about meeting me sometimes so you just want to go in and almost try and make a friend out of everyone that's what I say is go in there introduce yourself and kind of stand back and observe the way other people work and I think that's a really good piece of advice that I always carry with me if you've got a stylist a photographer anyone who is kind of quiet and really just kind of getting on with it then sometimes it's best to stand back let them get on with it, but maybe go up to them and say, hey, I'm just over there. 
you know, if you need anything or if, if I can do anything, just kind of understanding how they do their job right. is really crucial. It's the same with the photographer. If you've got a really outgoing, bouncy photographer who's the life of the party, you know you can sometimes be a bit more outgoing with that photographer. So it's just about gauging who you're with. Yeah. And how best to work with them. But I always go up to people and introduce myself and and just try and suss out how they like to work, if they like you to be involved with what they're doing. And obviously, you both have a mood board that you're working off of. So you do have to communicate about the, the overall look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but normally, you're both on the same page with it. Sometimes, you know, with the the example I gave earlier, the blue dress and red lipstick, um, yeah. you can't let ego get in the way. So I had to take a step back and think, right, the red carpet is about the dress. So I'm going to put my red lipstick away and not let my ego get in the way of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So would some of this come out in the pre-work that you mentioned? Because you refer to a mood board, which absolutely, depending on the event, they can actually be structured pretty differently, you know. Mm. So even the activities of the day can sometimes be specced out, you know, weeks in advance. So when it comes to things like makeup artists and defining the mood board, how does the makeup artist play into defining the final mood board, if that makes sense? Um, often it's really interesting that you say this because often when you're given a mood board, unless it's a beauty editorial, you're not really given a makeup mood board. You're given like a styling mood board. And that's where you take your professional opinion to create a look based on that. So sometimes I'll turn up to jobs with my own mood board or a couple of mood boards to show the client that will go alongside the styling but very often you're not really given a makeup mood board. I mean, I love it when I am given one because it's super specific and it it helps me know what to pack. (laughs) But it's just about um, creating almost the look yourself, which is the fun part of the job. And it's why we're hired, you know. It's why you're trusting a makeup artist, essentially. Absolutely. So you might have alluded to this already, but when you're approaching different types of projects so for example an editorial versus a commercial project or even a beauty focused project versus you know a fashion project could you give it an example of uh, or a couple of examples with regards to the differences when approaching such projects yeah when you approach a beauty editorial the focus is the makeup so you approach it i approach it personally with quite a lot of excitement because you can't mess up (laughs) you know things can be retouched but you you kind of approach it and you have to put your game face on for beauty editorials because it's it's using like a macro lens and there's not really room for messing up whereas uh, a fashion mood board a fashion editorial you approach it kind of differently because you do have a little bit more leeway with it you you're looking at a makeup that complements the clothes, almost hold hands with the clothes. You've always got right. to try and think, I need to create a look for the hair and the makeup that is going to sell the garment, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. The way I approach uh, music videos and things like that is is different Like because uh, you're selling a concept. So the, the hair and the makeup have to fit the concept of the, the the music video. So you're always just adapting and trying to think of the story 
kind of behind the makeup, I guess. Right. Absolutely. That is interesting. So I guess it's almost the focus of the actual editorial, because if, for example, it is a beauty-based editorial, then I assume you'd probably need to get very comfortable with the products ahead of time as well, because there's there's a very specific set of products you can actually use. Mm, yeah. With my beauty editorials, because I do beauty editorials almost every week, whether I'm test shooting or doing a paid one, I try and do beauty every week just because I enjoy it so much. And right. I have literally an army of beauty products that I only use for close-up beauty editorials. They're right. like the tried and tested products. And it's so funny. They never change. If you look at my um, my Instagram posts, I always list the products that I've used and the core products never change because I've just tested them and trust them completely. I know, I know they're going to work. It's really interesting. And it takes a lot for me to add something new to that. You know, I get sent products sometimes for if I'm working with celebrities sometimes brands will send me products to use on them and it really does take a lot for me to actually add that to my arsenal because I very thoroughly test it on myself and then I'll use it on a test shoot before I ever use it on like a paid shoot let alone a red carpet it has to go through the it has to go through the motions (laughs) perfect as a makeup artist what would you tell yourself now if you were starting out. So is there anything in particular that a person entering the industry might not think is important, but based on a 10-year history, you know, a a 10-year experience in the industry, you're like, actually, you know, this is something you need to figure out sooner rather than later. Mm, That is like my favorite question. (laughs) I think about this regularly. I always think about what would I tell my younger self and um, there's obviously so many things we all make like colossal mistakes sometimes I think the main thing I would tell myself is to just never stop learning always continue to test like test 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 because that's really how you elevate yourself as an artist that's how you uh, meet new people and how you kind of find confidence I don't know about you or anyone listening but when you first start a career it's it's quite scary you overthink every little thing you overthink every eyeliner flick and when you overthink it you don't do a good job I remember being so scared of doing eyeliner back in my mac days I was so terrible at it because I was thinking oh my god like I was just thinking too much about doing it and I just think we all need to relax <laughs> have yeah. fun with it. it it's makeup it can be taken off it can be removed and if you just continue to learn continue to practice and n- never ever stop never think that you've made it if that makes sense because Absolutely. If, you, if you start to think that way you really limit what you can learn and who you can meet and where you can go essentially you know Absolutely. It is really interesting. Someone told me this a few years ago that, you know, whenever you're starting, whether it's in a new job or a new industry or, you know, just starting fresh, you really need to get over yourself because Mm. you will inevitably make mistakes. You just Mm -hmm. need to learn, you know, off the back of those mistakes. Yes, definitely. There's a famous quote. I can't think of it, but the quote says something along the lines of, you know, it's the mistakes that make you, you know. 
it's, it's the jobs that I didn't get that made me who I am as an artist, you know? Absolutely. And we had someone on the podcast a few months ago, and she mentioned that sometimes her mistakes were some of the best things that happened to her. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. I love that. You know? Yeah, because she's like, she would never have thought that a product would have worked out in the way it did unless she actually made that particular mistake. So I thought that, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day. It was about a graphic designer and she one profound thing that she said was that she loves her competitors. She loves when people copy her and copy her work because it makes her elevate to a higher yeah. level. It makes her learn more. It makes her strive to be better. And I thought, oh my God, what an amazing way of thinking of something. You know, like sometimes you get a bit stressed yeah. out if you think somebody's copying you. Yeah. And that is just such a profound mindset change because they do make you better people that are copying and and uh and you know haters or whatever you want to call them they do make you better <laughs> absolutely and if you think about it they're validating your idea you yeah, know that you exactly. are actually right <laughs> yeah exactly so. exactly so how can our listeners find you online so I am over at at Kaylee K M U A, spelt like the Marillion song, if anyone knows it. <laughs> right. Kaylee can be spelt a hundred different ways. So it's just the same as the Marillion song. Or by Kaylee Designs is my one where I'm more of a mentor to makeup artists. So you can find me on both those places. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Blazing. If you enjoyed the episode, remember to subscribe and rate and review us on your favorite streaming platform 